disciples have been with Jesus for over a year at this point. And there's a decided shift in this passage. The shift is away from the disciples simply listening to and watching Jesus do works of ministry to them actually proclaiming the gospel and doing the work of ministry as well. Jesus was sending them out for the first time and following Jesus always involves our going out to proclaim the good news and heal the sick. In this week's sermon, Kelly preached on Luke 9, 1-9, where Jesus sends out the 12 apostles. Today on The Next Level, we'll discuss these verses and what being sent out looks like in our lives today. Stay tuned from Glen Allen Bible Church. I'm Matt Murrow. I'm John Vanderveld. I'm Beth Moss. And I'm Kelly Brady, and this is episode number 168 of Good morning, everybody. This is not really morning, it's afternoon today. It is the afternoon. (laughs) It is the afternoon. Yeah. Why are we running late, Beth? Oh, first day of school. (laughs) Remotely at home. I saw a bunch of uh, pictures. I agreed. I saw a bunch of pictures of kids. First day of school Mm -hmm. sitting in front of a computer screen. Mm -hmm. It's so hard. Mm -hmm. How did it go in your house today? It was it was fine. Um yeah, they they had to go like show up for each class period at a different Zoom link. It's it's, so it's video. It's all like a like a Zoom like a Zoom thing. Yeah, Google Classroom or whatever. Google, yeah. Okay. Um, And each they kept them the whole hour, so they're they're the class periods are different and all that. So they they had stuff for them to do, little breakout sessions and games. So we are Zoom proficient. We are Zoom proficient now. Yeah. Whether we want to be or or we are Zoom tired. We could be both, actually. We could be both. So it begins. It's true. This Huge debate this morning between with Grant and John and I about what to do with small groups and mm. how tired are we, you know, the, the nature of fellowship. Uh, we're going to try in person, right, Bible studies for men and women. Um, yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little we up are we not committed to that. anything at this point. <laughs> I'm committed to Sherry. That's it. That's about all you have. Look at your home. That's look in you your got. living room. That's what you got. That's that's all you can count on these days. I don't. Yes, we are making plans for all things. You kind of have to have a plan for all things, don't you? I just am laughing because literally the schools had a plan until Friday night. So yeah. and Sherry's an employee. And then Friday night it all changed. Sherry's an employee of District 200 and got an email on Friday that was was planning as if they were going forward in she, person. She told me. She's like, wow. I went wow. to a training on Friday. Wow. I, I had a group call on how we're going to do classroom. Boom. And then yeah. Friday Same night, day. boom. Well, that happened in my husband's district, too, in Downers oh. Grove. They went for a, a whole day of teacher institutes and then that evening got the word hey the guidelines have changed and now everything's remote so and we're just in an ever-changing flexible we're flexible like what your but your phrase be. death by a thousand cuts oh i never heard that until i met you but it makes so much <laughs> oh, sense yeah. in this situation <laughs> okay, oh so yeah by um by the way now you don't have gymnastics anymore <laughs> oh oh and by the way you can't no soccer school. oh 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 and by the way <laughs> we can't drive we can't drive out of the, the state summer <laughs> on record oh yeah, oh, no yeah. <laughs> 
Although corn, uh, corn you have rain. to wear a mask everywhere you go. And you, <laughs> Even worse, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and you can't go to the dentist. And you can't get your hair cut. You can't. It's just like one thing after one another. One thing after the next. <sighs> we flex. We adapt. It's well, right. how was service yesterday? Service How'd was really encouraging. So because uh, of attendance, we went from one service outdoors on Sunday morning Um to two services. That was our plan awesome. going into the weekend, and yeah. it actually happened. And we pulled it off. So there Fabulous. were a little <laughs> over 300, like 303, 302 in attendance. I think I counted yeah. right. Over both? It spread mm-hmm. out all, virtually equally. So about 150 wow. in both services. Okay. Uh, so it was really good. There was a funny, I think funny, uh, maybe the congregation didn't think it was funny, but I, <laughs> we, just, we opted not to put up the tents okay. because it wasn't supposed to be brutally mm-hmm. hot. Mm-hmm. But the sun was going to shine, and people, second service, they literally avoided the middle of the lot and sat on the perimeter in the, all the you shade. Were all, you were oh, virtually teaching in the round. It was kind of funny. <laughs> I was, no one had the, the guts to sit behind you yeah. in the best shade. But it wasn't because it they was hadn't cl- considered it. <laughs> it was <laughs> close. Yeah. yeah, that's true. That would have been funny. Here I was it, picturing it, Kelly moving his podium to the middle. I should to the middle. middle you could have. The- I'll take the heat. <laughs> Give me the, the sun. Heat. So the, the life lesson is people want the shade even when it's not brutally hot. I uh-huh. thought that people would say, yeah, sun, hey. The sun I like was warm, the sun. though. It, it did. I mean, it felt good for a while. 1045. Mm. Yeah. Was there was sweat dripping. Yeah. Were you in the shade? Around. Yeah. Okay. Right. Okay, Beth, I hear you. <laughs> Kelly, Kelly, was there another reason we didn't put up the tents? Or <laughs> Is it Beth that says, hmm. Hmm. No, that's Sarah, Sarah Marge. Marge. Hmm. hmm. <laughs> I just got a hmm. disapproval. So, <laughs> so you in the shade, judgment, Kelly? Judgment. <laughs> Was there any other reasons why we didn't put up the tents, Kelly? There was another reason, John. <laughs> oh, I I'm can't so wait. <laughs> <laughs> well, so two weeks ago when we had about 250 in attendance, we had put up and, and we put up the tents and thought, well, this would be great for some and people with social distance. But they opted for the shade instead of the safety of social distance. Right. And so our oh, tents no. were too crowded. Uh-huh. And so we thought, this yeah. is the best of both worlds. Two mm-hmm. services, yeah. no, no clear s- need for tents. Yeah, right, right. And it was just so. Oh, that's funny. We're living and learning. Now I mean, you guys figure it so out. So when I the mean, tents come back, we just need to social distance. Be, be cognizant right. that we right. spread out. Right. You're gonna have and some I mean, to be fair, <laughs> like yes, because I sat both first service. I, I sat in the shade for a while, and it was cold. In the shade. Yeah, it was first like service. Yeah. Yeah. First service. Yeah. Yeah. And then first I moved, service. family showed up, I moved to the, out in the sun, and it was hot, but to be mm. fair, it was nothing like the hot three weeks ago, where you're <laughs> oh. sitting in the shade, that was, right. or in the sun. That's a completely different, mm-hmm. you're uncomfortable, you're mad, you're violent, you want, like, <laughs> every part of you is sweating. Every this part was of you just, is wet. <laughs> this is that feeling when you're at the, the, your first football game of the year, yes. mm. and it's hot out, but it's, it's, it's fall. Yeah. That's yeah. what it feels like right now in the parking lot. Uh-huh. You're breaking the sweat. But it's like, yeah, but it's kind of, it's fall though. Yeah. It's, you uh-huh. know, it's football weather. It's, you know. It is starting to feel like yeah. fall. I wanted to get into the cold baptismal by the end. Yeah, it, I was going to ask, was some, did it somebody got baptized yesterday, yeah, right? service, uh, an adult named Melanie who has, uh, it's a fun story. She just started attending during outdoor services, mm. during quarantine. That's awesome. And uh, the Lord's been doing a, a good work in her life to use her words. I don't want anything to do with my old way of life. 
Man, that's awesome. awesome. And she said, you know, I just, these are my words now. I, she had gotten entangled in sin. Uh, and uh, I shared this all publicly Sunday. She couldn't share. She was so emotional about uh, what the Lord had was doing, is doing in her life that I, you know, the baptism testimony isn't meant to torture anybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and so she, she wanted to share, and, but then when she came down to it, she was just, overwhelmed and but her description was you know I got caught up in all the the things that sex and drugs and mm-hmm. and just not following Jesus but I want to follow Jesus I don't want anything to do and then she would use her hands to to say and push that life away I don't want anything mm-hmm. to do with that life so I, awesome. it, was, it was good it's nice Oh, someone mentioned to me they were visiting our service. They're from out of town. They live in Florida. And when they come through town, they always, this is where they worship. And, and they travel quite a bit. They're empty nesters and retired. And they said the last three churches they visited have been baptizing people who have started attending during COVID. Wow. wow. That's pretty cool. That's great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So his encouragement was the Lord is clearly doing something, mm. will not be held back by a plague. Awesome. Um, just a practical question. If someone else wanted to get baptized, did, like, did she come to you and say, Hey, I want to get baptized or, or were you, did, was there an open invitation no, that I missed? So she, she filled out a visitor's card and it's just a, a normal part of the follow-up. I had emailed her as a visitor and said, Hey, fun to, that you're visiting with us. Uh, mm-hmm. how can I support you in your journey? And uh, she goes, I want to be baptized. So I said, okay, oh, let's okay. do it. So we filled the tank and got it done. She, I okay. think she had attended i am just sort of getting to know her familiarized with her which is so hard with people coming outdoors and you're not getting you know not having the same contact with folks but i think for about five weeks i I think she i think she came about five weeks ago she came kind of early and was asking about the service what's going on out here yeah what's going on and and um and then she's been here every week and great uh, so her yeah so it's great. Yeah, if others want to be baptized, mm-hmm. they could just reach out. Just and reach out. Absolutely. In fact, for the first time ever, we added chlorine to our baptistry. Oh, my goodness. Because, <laughs> because uh, just the concern, the COVID concerns, chlorine does it kills kill. the COVID. It kills the COVID. Wait, are you, are you stating a factual? Yeah, chlorine kills Science. COVID. Dude, okay. We, we went on Facebook. You had, <laughs> <laughs> you had Facebook set in. So I did some digging. I did some digging. Did some Facebook. How do you kill this thing? Uh-huh. You don't have to drink no, it, no, though. No, not no, chlorine. no. Chlorine. Oh. Whatever queen. Chloroquine. No, that's not what we're talking. Anyway, uh, we, we no. there was so many bad words. There was some thought that there may be others who desire to get baptized, which we've had oh, kind of yeah, consistently yeah. Uh-huh. And I totally botched it and didn't make that invitation second oh. service, but thinking we would open the baptistry to... Just in case another wanted to get into the and water. share the water, if, we thought, let's add some chlorine. Yeah. yeah. That was good forethought. I said Windex would do. Just pour some Windex <laughs> in there. Spray with a Windex. <laughs> what movie is that? My Big Fat Greek Oh, well, that's yeah. right, the Windex. The Windex right. sprays it on yeah. everything. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Heels like skin rash. And like, oh, that's funny. So it's anyway. a good morning. Awesome. Uh, John, catch us up on the August 30th launch yes, of thank Indoor. You. Yeah, we're planning on um, passing the COVID. I'm sorry, what? It's <laughs> not even funny. <laughs> Is it too early for that? Maybe a little too Hashtag soon. Hashtag too soon. 
We are planning on opening the building for one service on August 30. We're going to continue. We're going to actually worship. The plan is to have the two outdoor services and then end the morning with a small indoor oh, wow. service for 50 that day. And um, the reason we're doing it at 50 is because it's the first time we've been in back in the space. Trial run. Mm -hmm. And um, that's sort of the agreed and guideline that we're following throughout all of our programming is that number of 50 to start off with. It's a manageable size. We feel like mm -hmm. we can learn and set, be set up well and care for everybody. And so well, frankly, be, we need new habits as a congregation. To, totally. Like entering the building yeah. habits, exiting the and building that, habits. And that's difficult to do with, you know, 200 the first right. time. So, um, so we're giving lots of opportunity in other ways. Online will continue to go. Outdoor will continue to go that Sunday. And then um, we'll have the small service. And, that, and our plan is to learn, grow, and can, you know, they're most likely it's going to get cold in Chicago. I mean, no. we're, we're, we're thinking that it probably will. <laughs> Not in 2020. You just don't Everything know what's going to Everything is up for grabs. <laughs> and, uh, How about that tornado? Was oh, there really geez. a tornado? I live in Wheaton. Yeah. I didn't feel like a tornado. I think you, they well, called it that. I thought it was a derecho. What are you about to say? A derecho? What? That's what it was. It was yeah. only derecho. a tornado. Uh, Carrie said that there was like multiple mini little uh -huh. pathways of tornadoes. It, it is yes, actually. But but what does it mean? It's right. some crazy storm that comes in a line instead yeah. of circular and okay. it just... No, that's what it. That's what they're calling it. That's I've never heard had, of it. We had it like three. I've never heard of it. We no, had it it's like called a derecho. We had it like el derecho. We had it like five. The derecho. Oh my god! Spanish for the derecho. <laughs> we had. I'm el Nino. We had. Uh, we had it five years ago, Fourth of July weekend. Wow. Yeah, okay. it came a derecho came through, trashed our fence, <laughs> threw our. He looked that up on Facebook through, too. Threw our trampoline into our neighbor's yard, <laughs> knocked down a bunch of trees. Wow. Yeah, it happens on a every five year. Jesus. It's kind of like every time we get a big rain and somebody goes, well, we're never going to get rain like that again. That's every What's hundred years. Oh, and then on. two weeks later, yep. we get like 14 inches of rain in five minutes. But yeah, it was, it was interesting. Well, Where did you watch the derecho, Kelly? I watched it from our new welcome center. In with all front those of the wall of glass. <laughs> wow. I stood there saying, look at everything blow. Yeah, oh we're, we're all like yeah. in the welcome center. That's a good view. I, uh, I ran. I, I drove home quickly. I you remember know, have, thinking, "Where's have, he going?" No, I went home quickly <laughs> in the derecho. You know, we have three <laughs> small kids, and and about halfway home, which is only a seven-minute drive, I thought, "I'm I'm Should regretting be this." Here. About about the time I hit president, I mean, that's when mm -hmm. branches started coming down. Yeah. And Did you like, think you oh, were going to wow. save them from the tornado, or what? <laughs> it <laughs> wasn't a tornado. It was, it was a, a derecho. El derecho. <laughs> it was a tornado for a point three mile stretch. Interesting. Across College Church, yeah. the Blanchard Lawn, mm -hmm. and then it died. It, it was crazy fast. Yeah. Like it came in fast and was done. Well, it's good to know that through the derechos and the Rona and all of it, God is still at work. <laughs> and uh, let's go into some questions. Yes. All right. All right. Question number one. In that you encouraged us to go out and proclaim the good news, does this mean that we are now focusing as a church on developing apostles as well as disciples? So we should probably talk about the difference between yeah. apostles and disciples. Kelly, take it away. <laughs> hey, have anybody ever seen that movie with... Um, What's Duvall called the Apostle? No. Yeah, oh, heard yeah. of it. When it's he argues watching. with God, mm. and then, oh my gosh. yeah, it's a good. He's a piece huh. of work. What is yeah. it? Is it how the old Apostle? is it? Like 1997. Oh, okay. 
the apostle Robert mm-hmm. Duvall. It's he, not a hundred percent theologically. Oh, it's gross. Sound and accurate. No, I just want to make gross. sure we're not. <laughs> okay. yeah, I love Looking to grow your theology, <laughs> so, but it's, it's an interesting. I'm a big mm. Robert Duvall fan, yeah. and it it really kind of captures the abuses of what I'm going to label mm. apostolic theology. So the notion of apostolic theology is that yes, there there were there were the original twelve apostles, but the Lord is still uh, raising up apostles in that same vain with that type of signs and wonders authority. Um, and so Robert Duvall, the main character in this film, uh, at one point baptizes himself. Huh. Um, but he's a terrible womanizer, philander, mm. and he steals from people. Mm. And anyway. It's a a it, movie that paints the church in a negative light? Oh, Weird. A, <laughs> I just... I think it's fascinating because... Hollywood film? <laughs> Are you sure you got this right? Okay. He, I think it was self-produced. I think, he's, I think he foot the whole bill himself. Oh, interesting. But I, you know, that's... Yeah. Eccentric Pentecostal preacher. Anyway, that's kind of the world I grew up in. Kind of an apostolic, uh, signs and wonders, Pentecostal flavor. And it, it's just prone to all types of abuses. So... Anyway, the, the word apostle means one who's sent out. And I, I was talking about the mandate of go, the Great Commission, where, where are people sent out, where are people mobilized, where to be going. So the way I would say it, I, w- I would say, yeah, the, there were the original 12 apostles. The original 12 were sent out. They were distinct in their mission. Uh, they had all uh, been with the resurrected Savior, um, they had all been commissioned in a unique way. Um, he, uh, for example, you may, if you're familiar with the Gospels, remember at one point he breathes on them and gives them the Holy Spirit. Mm. Um, so it's, they are unique. They stand apart from, um, from the Ephesians 4 declaration, um, which, in which Paul describes he gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be pastors. In other words, there's a there's the notion, some to be evangelists, there's this notion, uh, and, and I ascribe to it, that there, there's kind of a five-part office to the New Testament church. There's apostles, there's prophets, there's evangelists, there's pastors, there's teachers. And, and, but then that, get, that can get played up too much. Mm-hmm. In uh, what sense? Um, well, we can just, it, it has to do with your emphasis, well, I like to call emphasis. If we're not careful, we put the wrong emphasis uh, theologically on things. And so people start designating themselves as apostles. And, and mm-hmm. what they often mean is in the line of or in the flavor of the original 12. And I just don't see that bearing out in the New Testament. I, now, don't get me wrong. I'm fully Trinitarian. I think the Holy Spirit's alive and active, and all the gifts available Mm -hmm. in the New Testament age, the first century, are still available today. And I think there are some uniquely called and sent out in an apostolic fashion. But I just don't think we need to draw a hard and fast line between these offices. So Glenn Scala, who we prayed for on Sunday during the service. He shared a little bit about his calling to Guatemala. I think he's uniquely sent out. It's not every day that Glowing Bible Church sends somebody out who feels called to a particular uh, geography, demographic, people group. So he's uniquely sent out. I wouldn't go so far as to say he's an apostle. I think it's okay to say, hey, he might have some apostolic 
calling on his life. We just, I just, I want us to be gentle there. So if you have an apostolic calling, if you're uniquely sent out to a people group or demographic, um, then, you know, that's a part of discipleship. But not every disciple has an apostolic calling, yet mm. we're all sent. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's Okay. Helpful. That actually cleared up quite a bit because okay. I was thinking to myself, well, if apostle means one who's sent out, how's that different from a missionary? Yeah. You know, but that, I feel like that cleared it up. Thank you. So in a fuller sense, everybody who's following Jesus as Lord is an apostle. Mm. But there are some who have some unique callings on their life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that um, maybe for newer Christians, uh, people who are engaging with, uh, especially with the Gospels, those two words can maybe be confusing. Uh, apostle, disciple, when were the 12 apostles or were they disciples? I feel like I've heard yeah, it. Yeah, that's yeah. good. And, that's, and so, they were, so they were apostles in that he sent them out. That's what the word means. And they're disciples in that they were learning from Jesus. Oh, sorry, I interrupted you. Answer being, no, you didn't. Answer being they're both. Yes. And they're called mm. both yes. in mm. the scriptures. And, and I think it's fair for us to say that if you're following Jesus, you're an apostle, you are sent out. Now, there are some in the New Testament, like Barnabas is referred to as an apostle, but he wasn't one of the original 12. Mm-hmm. And, and draw, uh, how do I say his name? Junia mm-hmm. and Dronicus, they're referred to as, as apostles. Titus, Epaphroditus have a, an apostolic, there's a word that's often translated as apostle that's, that's, that's used in the New Testament to describe them. So there are others who are described as apostles, but not a part of the original 12. We can get hung up if we're not careful on office titles. Well, are you an evangelist? Are you a, are you a teacher? Are you a preacher? Mm-hmm. And, and the truth is we're all to be doing the work of evangelism, but there are some who have unique giftings and mm-hmm. we're all sent, but there are some who have this apostolic, unique calling. Yeah. I hope that helps. Yeah, that does help. Yeah. And the church thrives when, when people come together with all of those gifts. Yeah. One of the difficulties We've talked about this a little bit, but one of the difficulties as a believer and as just a, a fallen human being is you you desire other people's gifts. Yep. <laughs> you know, like gift not, envy. You gift envy, right? Gift you're envy. not fully. Or um, you use it as an excuse, like, well, I'm not that. I'm not gifted in evangelism, right. so. Right. So the takeaway is to watch the apostle this weekend. <laughs> 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 What's it rated? I'm trying to look it up. I, I think it's R. That sounds like an R movie. It sounds like it would PG-13. be. PG-13. PG-13. Wow. Well, okay. that's because it was back, yeah. back in it's the day. It's still pretty rough probably, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> All right. So in two more years, Kelly gets to watch that one. Okay, here we go. Question number two. You mentioned that the first disciples were more qualified than us to go out and proclaim the good news. Can you clarify what you meant by this comment? I can, and I feel like I need to. I, I feel like I really botched it at first service. So... <laughs> Um, yeah, I, st- I, I would still say the first disciples were more qualified to go out on their mission than we are qualified to go out on their mission. Yeah. So the point I wanted to make was that none of us are called to go on their mission. We are, though, completely fully equipped, empowered for the mission we have been called to. Mm-hmm. So I, in the sermon, I was trying to segue towards things that often prevent us from going as we're instructed to do, and fear being one of them, or feeling as though we're inadequately prepared. 
and then we, we think, well, we didn't get to walk and talk with Jesus. We didn't get to see him feed 5,000 and raise dead Lazarus. Mm -hmm. So how can we be qualified? And the, the truth is, well, we're qualified. We don't need, we don't, we don't have the need to have seen him feed 5,000 or raise Lazarus. Because we, we're not called to accomplish what the first 12 were called to accomplish. Mm -hmm. They were equipped to do what they were called to do. I, I'm not called to accomplish what they were called to accomplish. But I'm, I'm fully uh, equipped to get done all that, that I'm called to do. I talked in second service about my uh, fear of public speaking and how the Lord has worked in my life to help me with that. Um, so it used to be something that would hold me back from considering uh, public ministry. And, um, and some of that is, well, you know, comparing myself to others. But, you know, the whole, the, dead, the deadly practice of comparing yourself to others, you know, I'm not called to accomplish what others are called to accomplish. Mm -hmm. uh, and if I'll just keep my eyes on Christ, I can be full of the confidence that he's going to equip me to accomplish all that he's calling me to do. Is that Yeah, helpful? that's good. Well, and then look where he's brought you. From a fear yeah. of public teaching to yeah. then becoming a history teacher, right? right. And then yeah. public speaking for a living, yeah. basically. You said, um, well, huh. you're looking at me funny. Yeah. You said there's three. there were three things that I had to overcome. And then you only said one of them. I was wondering if anybody was going to. Yeah. The other one was. Uh, <laughs> the, the other one. The other two. There's two. <laughs> and B. Uh, <laughs> Not following through. <laughs> Count, counting. <laughs> Not following through and <laughs> counting. Yeah. That's awesome. uh, the number two was just the uh, depending upon people's offerings uh, for my salary. Sure. Oh, yeah. And then uh, C was uh, the reality of the demonic. And just thinking, you know, if the you're, spiritual warfare. Yeah, if you're, aspect. A, if you're a pastor, you're on the front line of all that. Mm -hmm. And do I really want to step into that? So, yeah, yeah. Do you think that, that I feel like that's kind of an um, maybe an unusual or, or irregular mm -hmm. holdback for for people going into ministry? Do you think that's because of your background? Grow, yeah. Growing up in younger cemeteries. in that, in in cemeteries. that <laughs> 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 raised in cemeteries. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, you know, I think I had some baggage from my childhood around yeah. that for sure. I mean, the the whole financial piece. My my dad used to make just merciless jokes about pastors and their laziness, huh. mm. and uh, and so I was just kind of steeped in a disdain mm -hmm. for those who make their living by an offering being passed or, or received. And so, yes, uh, all three of those, I think. And not surprisingly, things to overcome from my childhood. And, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, that's good. All right, let's go on to question number three. I've got to be honest. I feel like proclaiming the gospel is arrogant. Don't get me wrong. I think Jesus is God, but who am I to say that others must believe that Jesus is God? This question uh, reminded me, uh, when I interviewed to teach at COD, so I'm I'm being I'm meeting with two of the deans in the uh, in the de um, humanities department over there. I think I know where this is going. And and they say to me, "So you're a pastor?" And I say, "Yeah, you know, I just you know down the street here in Glen Ellen, I lead a 
um, at a Bible church. They said, okay, a Bible church. So are you going to try and convert everybody in the class? <laughs> it's generally I, the idea, yeah. <laughs> I said, well, would you like to pray right now to receive Christ? Yeah. No. <laughs> Let me tell you about the four spiritual laws. <laughs> he walked him down Romans Road. Yeah. <laughs> Let's open our Bibles. I said, well, I remember saying, well, that wouldn't break my heart if they all yeah, decided right. to follow yeah. Jesus. I don't have a problem with it. I said, but, I said, let me draw a distinction, though. I said, I am evangelical, but I am not a crusader. And so if you're familiar with church history, there's an ugly part of church history in which uh, people, um, the army was, uh, armies of, of Europe were mobilized in what were described as holy wars, and people were converted, quote-unquote, you really can't convert people at sword point, but they were converted, they were, they were forced to submit uh, to, to the authorities uh, of invading armies who declared themselves to be Christian. Anyway, so I, I tried to draw a distinction between being an evangelical and eagerly sharing the gospel, but I'm not forcing anybody to believe what I'm believing. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think that's an important point to be had here is we're called to proclaim the gospel. It's not even my job to convince other people, let alone force anybody to buy into faith. Uh, and so many times, I, I, I think it's easy to get out of balance there and say, it's my job to convince somebody and, eat, and, and actually move them to the point of decision. Perhaps we've all said under pulpit ministries where we felt like we were being strong-armed. And I, I probably lapsed into that myself, you know, move from be, trying to be uh, persuasive uh, to manipulative. And you need mm. to be careful there. Yeah. So in this, this question, I feel like proclaiming the gospel is arrogant. That's what was said. Um, it feels like, um, and I'm glad you're drawing the distinction between evangelist and crusader, but I don't, it doesn't feel like some of this question is, is getting at like being a crusader. It kind of, this question makes me feel like, why do I really have to, like, try to convince anyone at all? Why do I have to share the gospel? Mm. Like, if they come to it, they come to it. And, yeah, I mean, isn't it arrogant to, to do that, to, to assert your view on someone else, mm -hmm. to challenge someone else with your view? Like, why can't you just let them live and let live and, you know? Yeah, you know, I think you're right. I, um, that... The question asker is asking primarily about arrogance, uh, but I'm, I, I was trying to get out there. The, the force with, with which we're offering this is not a force of arrogance. It's right. it's really, it's it's a posture of I believe this, and I want to share it with you. The second thing I th I would say is that truth matters. So if if I think something's true then I want to share that naturally with people. Um, if, you know, it would be unkind. Let's take our kids. That's the layup. You know, it'd be unkind right. not to teach our children that two plus two equals four. Mm -hmm. If they thought it was five, we're, we're not doing them a favor mm -hmm. to say, well, they'll figure it out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think, I think <clears throat> the issue here that's presented is more about posture and practice than it is about message if that makes sense. So if you know something to be true and you believe it to be true and you don't communicate that to, to someone that you care about, know, and love, what does that really say about what you think of that person? If you're that other person, you're thinking, 
This, tell, tell me the truth. Yeah, and whether they are moved by the Spirit to believe, whether they accept what you're saying, they, that's up to them. And you would hope that the relationship is strong enough to mm-hmm. for them to say, yeah, they really believe this, and they love me enough to share with me. Right. But it doesn't sever the relationship, whatever their decision is. It, it doesn't have to. It doesn't it. have to. But if I the way I I share that truth and how I go about um, communicating what I believe and what I think of other people who don't believe like I do mm-hmm. and how I act in that is often, I think, what people are against. Yeah. And maybe they likely, rightly should be, right? Yeah. But, you know, I've had lots of conversations with people who don't, who I know, care about and love, who don't believe what I believe or think like I think around these topics. And we can still mm-hmm. love and care for each other because I don't tell them they're, you know. Are you I, saying you it's, it's possible to share the gospel without coming off as arrogant? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yes. I actually think that's really the only way yes. right. to effectively Just share to the share, gospel. That was my point. Just to say that I think this is true, 2 plus 2 equals 4, is doesn't mean you're arrogant. Mm-hmm. Totally. And I, I actually think that this is where... Um, the thoughtfulness and the um, about our culture and society is really important around how we communicate the gospel. I actually think uh, missiology, understanding the field in which you're going to and sharing. I mean, you, mm-hmm. I'm bringing this up because you shared this on on Sunday. Um, mm-hmm. Clearly, there was a way that Hudson Taylor reached China in in a, in ways that others mm-hmm. didn't because his the message remained the same, but his methods changed Pretty radical. radically. Yeah. And yeah. I think of the methods and the conversations and the things that we do in Wheaton, Glen Ellen, DuPage County are going to look different than mm-hmm. Nairobi, Kenya, than Switzerland, yeah. than, mm-hmm. because the, the culture is different, the people are different, the, the way that we relate to each other is different. And so there's actually a, there's no mandate or, or no excuse to not share the truth of the gospel, but the way in which we share it and how we share it and the means in which we use and the methods. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, Matt, you helped with a radio broadcast setup um, with one of our missionaries in Cambodia, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. The Mallows. I, I can't, I mean, we wouldn't naturally think that a radio, an AM radio. Yeah. <laughs> gospel outreach would really work in Glen Allen, right? Like we wouldn't invest the time, money, and resources, but in that culture, in that setting, it really, it truly is what people tune into for news, information. And so, um, you know, it, it really, yeah, I, I just, I think some of the bristling maybe, or I've got the, the, <laughs> the statement of, I got to be honest here. I feel like proclaiming the gospel is arrogant. It might be not because of the actual gospel, mm-hmm. but because of the way that it was communicated. Right, the or approach. You, or, yeah, the way you go about the it. The method. And yeah. our method in suburbia is often going to be relational, oh, right? Totally. You yes. know, to tell about our lives, if we're really following Christ, you know, just everyday things can point back to the truth and proclaiming it just through a relationship on the sidelines of a soccer game. Talking about some way that Turner God... Turn or burn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wait, <what>? Right, turn or burn. <laughs> turn <What>? and burn. <laughs> and then rip it. <laughs> Those I, I are mean, soccer terms. When I... I t- 
you know, st- I studied at Wheaton College. Evangelism and leadership was mm. my MA. And we talked a lot about Billy Graham being in the Billy Graham Center. Billy Graham, sort of this huge figure at Wheaton College. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, the person who taught one of the biggest, most impactful classes was actually the head of the Billy Graham Evangelical Association. Mm. And, and his conversations within that organization and as he was teaching, he said, Billy Graham likely wouldn't do today right. what he did mm-hmm. back then. The That type of, um, we use the word crusade. I mean, he called them crusades. You wouldn't use that word today. You call it thunder. My middle school team, we were the crusaders. Yeah, I mean, uh-huh. and so so what we need to do is recognize and, and, and identify what Billy Graham did mm-hmm. in proclaiming the gospel in the ways that he did in the context and the time period he was in. Mm-hmm. And when we say, yeah, we're not going to do that anymore, it doesn't mean that we're looking at Billy Graham and saying he was wrong, ineffective, un, you know, Foolish. Yeah. Foolish. We we say, man, that was that was how it worked mm-hmm. yeah. that it day, that time, time and yeah. and now we're in a different day, in right. a different time, and the way that we proclaim and is going to be different. Mm-hmm. Sure. I would also lastly, I would say that we need to, when we feel arrogant, or if we if we're tempted to think it's arrogant, we should not forget um, Jesus Himself said in Matthew twenty eight eighteen right before giving the Great Commission. In fact, it was the basis upon which he said, go and make more disciples. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. In other words, uh, Jesus isn't shy at all about his position cosmically. And so when we hold up Christ as the light of the universe, it, it is, some may perceive it arrogantly, we may be arrogant in the way we offer it. We may come off arrogantly, but Jesus says he is to be worshiped. Uh, Jesus says that yeah. all people should recognize his authority and follow him as Lord and King. And, uh, you know, and I feel like in, in case this question is kind of getting at like your truth, my truth, mm-hmm. that modern day philosophy, mm-hmm. like who am I to impose my truth on mm-hmm. your truth? You live your truth. In case you're start, you may be thinking like, this is true for me, and mm-hmm. but you could have your, you, you, I would say you probably need to dig deeper and spend more time in the scriptures to find out what they say and spend more time in some other world religions to say mm-hmm. what they say because they are opposed they're contradictory. They're right? all contradictory. Oh, if you just study the the major world religions, it, it, Rabbi Zacharias he says it this way. He says uh, all religions are basically the same. They're only different in origin, meaning, uh, destination, morality, and you know he right. names like five big key components. Yeah, right. <laughs> Other than those main five, all religions are basically the same. <laughs> they are just they're just opposed to each other. So if you are are believing this, your truth, my truth flavor of the month philosophy over the last, you know. If that's what feels arrogant, to, to say that a truth exists and it's an exclusive truth, mm-hmm. right. if that's arrogant to you, then dig a little arrogant. deeper. Right. right. Dig a little, yeah. I mean, then yeah. two plus two equals four right. is an arrogant posture. Every religion claims a cornerstone on the truth. Yeah. And they're all and, different. And truth is always an exclusive. If I say something is true, then, then that means the other is false. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We could talk on this for a yeah. really long time. Yeah. All right. Question number four. What are some creative ways to begin sharing my faith more frequently? I'm just not in the habit. 
The day gets busy, and I never end up talking about something that is so important to me. Yeah, I mean, that is hard. We all live in these really busy, crazy lives, and... But, you know, the more you ask God, says the mom, (laughs) first day of school. Um, But, you know, when you come to to God and ask him to show you opportunities, he's going to do that. And they may surprise you, too. So taking a little time, maybe even first thing in the morning before you get out of bed or um, when you're trying to make your coffee and your brain hasn't turned on yet, um, ask God to show you some opportunities. And then the spirit can prompt you throughout that. So starting with prayer, I think, is a good way to. To kick it off. Good word. Yeah. I think, you know, it is, it's so easy to lapse into the habit mm-hmm. of not, um, not sharing your faith. It's easy, Beth, your point. We're just really busy mm-hmm. and our to-do lists overwhelm us and in the suburban lifestyle is just somewhat chaotic. But I would go so far as to say that anything that is relational is an mm-hmm. opportunity to share your faith. It, sure. And you can, you know, a creative moment can come out of anything that's relational. Yeah. I grow a garden. Y'all know I garden? No. I, I'm a How many weeks in a row is that, Matt? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, there was no segue either. Just I know. Grow a garden. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I have many leather-bound books. <laughs> <laughs> I grew <Soft>. zucchini. <laughs> Apartment smells of rich mahogany. <laughs> So I'll walk across the street with some fresh produce. Yeah, I saw yeah. you. I saw you cruising Ranch Road the other he day. He brought me some wow. kale yesterday. We're gonna make kale. I'm trying to lead Matt to the Lord with right. kale. <laughs> Seems like you're only giving the food to Christians, though, yeah. Kelly. I... <laughs> Matt and I. Uh, well, let's see. The Fideskis and the Marones and the Bradys. We've got a little Bible study going. We had nine last night on our block. We meet in the see. front yards. Yeah. And um, we've actually, so last night in Bible study, this is, this is a riot. You mean, the fr- I'm going to come through with like in my whole, boys and yeah. like have like thumping music. as. <laughs> so, so last night at the Bible study, we're going around introducing ourselves to each other. And there's this new couple that no one had met. Oh, oh like new to the block? Yes. And new to Glow and Bible Church. Oh, yeah. wow. They're new to the Bible study. Mm-hmm. And then we learned they're going to Glow and Bible Church since quarantine. That's oh, awesome. awesome. Cool. So they're sitting across the circle from Jim Marone, and they say, well, do you lead worship at Glow and Bible Church? And then they put the whole park history together. They, they oh. migrated out of the city uh-huh. into the suburbs. and Yeah. So it's fun. I'm meeting with that couple tonight, just oh, getting wonderful. to know them a little bit. Oh, so, sweet. Cool. Yeah, cool. That's great. Yeah. So, it's yeah, so little ways in your neighborhood. Yeah. That's a practical way. Yeah. Hobbies that you're involved in, like gardening. Yes. Thank bringing, you. <laughs> bringing produce over. Um, Anything that builds relationships. Yeah. yeah. I mean, gonna... I've said before on the podcast, I run. And so I will pray for people or use that as an opportunity. You'll train with people. I'll That's train with people. Right. About, yeah, I will train with people. Right. To build a relationship. To build a relationship. I'll train with you. Miracle Beth, worker. I will pay, your... Matt and I will, <laughs> we will contribute significantly no. to you training Kelly. We'll work for produce. Whatever. Whatever plan you have. Okay. <laughs> Just to see Kelly in pain. Yes. Video footage. I've seen Beth multiple times. We've passed running. each other on yeah. the prairie path, mm-hmm. biking or running or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you're with your group or with yeah. somebody and with training and doing all that. That's yep. awesome. But meeting meeting people where they're at, I think, yeah. is a bit, whether we're talking about fitness or whatever. That's a good example of what but, you're talking about. Right. Because yeah. even though like I love to run, sometimes 
I'm with a walker or sometimes yeah. I'm with someone who is at a different pace or whatever, but step meeting, it up, step, step it, it up. up. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I like to walk too, actually, but just not being so concerned about the end goal, but the time with totally. the person. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I'm going to talk a little bit about mm-hmm. it this Sunday, but the idea of being available Oftentimes mm-hmm. we think it, there's like this proactive, and, the, and there are times where we need to be proactive relationally. You guys sent invitations in your neighborhood yeah. in a real, you know, normal yeah. way, invited people to connect. And there are those proactive things, but I think more often than not, ministry often comes to us when we mm-hmm. have done um, the work to, so that people know that we are available. Like people can come to you mm-hmm. or, or when it does come your way or there's a need or something like that, you are, you have made yourself um, available. I mean, so often I think we miss so many opportunities and, and conversations and things like that to, because we are so focused on our own things. We are unavailable to others who have needs or mm-hmm. questions or, or whatever, um, simply because we're we're totally tuned into our family, right. our, our work, you know, our church, whatever it is. And we, yeah. we, um, we aren't tuned in to and available to, to other things. So. And then sometimes, I was going to say this for the next question, but I'll, I'll bring it up now. That sometimes we get so dialed in on Christ um, and, and communicating the gospel content, dead, buried, raised, again, trust in him, you, uh, no one comes to the Father but through him in communicating the gospel. We get so dialed into communicating it. Like you got to do A, B, C, yeah, D. Yeah, like you got to get this content yeah, out. Yeah. Like you have what the evangelism mm-hmm. is supposed to look like in your mind before it happens. Yes. And mm-hmm. then it doesn't happen that way yeah. and you get discouraged. But, you know, you shared a great story about you yeah. and Sherry. Um, I shared and, it first and, service. I didn't share it second. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and another couple that you were investing in mm-hmm. and it did not go the way that you Plan. Would think it should right. go right. right. You know, it, so if we're focused on loving our neighbors as ourselves, then evangelism will happen. But if all we're ever focused on is evangelism, loving our neighbors, actually loving people, the second great commandment, right, mm-hmm. may not happen. If all we want to do is check off our list, mm-hmm. oh, I presented the gospel mm-hmm. today. That's not really a desire to love our neighbors. And they are going to, they could easily be, feel like a project. Mm -hmm. Oh, he just checked me off his list. He just presented the content of the gospel and now he's on his way. So the goal should really be to be a great neighbor, to love our neighbors. And then evangelism will happen in that. Mm -hmm. Good neighbors who who are following Jesus will share their faith. It just, that's how it happens. Mm -hmm. So. And that's an encouragement to um, going into this last question. It's kind of a piggyback question off of what we were just talking about. And everyone here, we've, we all have kids. Um, I think I've got the youngest at three. But even at three, it's like, oh, there's light in the tunnel now. It's like, you know, he's, he's three. He doesn't have to be, con- you know. But for those parents who have multiple You're gonna kids. You're going to have a baby. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was thinking. Oh, oh, yeah, there's light at the end of the tunnel. Oh, wow. No, don't, don't send that juju over here and get it, get it back away. Juju's um, not the problem. All right, go ahead. <laughs> so for the parents who, uh, the people who are at GBC right now, who have multiple kids under the age mm-hmm. of seven. They are just, if you've ever worked in the restaurant business, they are in the weeds, mm-hmm. as we would say. Just the tickets are just lined up and your head is down and you are just, there's mm-hmm. one thing you can do, stay alive, right? 
for those who are in that predicament, mm-hmm. that's it, not predicament, but situation, but still are feeling a level of conviction that they should be, that they maybe they want to be mm-hmm. participating in evangelism. Like what kind of encouragement, ideas, uh, good words do we have for them? Is this question five? This yeah. is question five, sorry. So okay. my spouse and I have three kids under the age of seven. Sometimes it feels like just getting through the day is all the strength we have. We still feel a responsibility to share the gospel, but it also feels like there isn't much margin in life right now. Mm-hmm. Do you have any advice, encouragement for people like us? Are there gospel-sharing venues we're not thinking about that might be conducive mm-hmm. to our situation? I actually love the end of that question. Are there gospel-sharing venues we're not thinking about? I think anything can be a gospel-sharing venue. Um, and that's some of the beauty of having little kids is that you kind of go where they are. So they're getting squirrely, you're going to go to the park, and who knows who you going to find at the park. So there can be opportunities there while you're pushing your kid on the swing and there's another parent there and you strike up a conversation. Um, there could be opportunities to pray for people. I, I, um, I had a little stint where God convicted me of that. I think I've mentioned this before, that empty statement, oh, I'll pray for you. Mm. And sometimes people open up. I don't know, at the park, people will talk about stuff. I don't know if it's because they don't know you and they, I don't know, but people start talking and you say, hey, why don't I just pray about that right now? I've never had people um, refuse Uh, it. (laughs) I've never had that. People may be surprised. I'm with you. Um, But once you get into the habit of doing that, and, and I think it can start at home, um, start by when your kids have a, a concern or a conflict. If you make it the habit of saying, let's stop right now and pray for that, mm. then it starts to become a little more natural. That becomes the culture of your home, and then that can become the culture of your friendships, and then that can even become a culture of stranger, you know, people that you're just talking to for the first time. But if you, you ask... Then you don't have to feel like a schmuck. Because you forget to do it, <laughs> and then you see that person a couple weeks later, and you're like, right. oh, hey, right. how's that thing going? <laughs> that thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So putting putting some feet to it, legs to your faith or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, any any opportunity can, can present itself. And, and then picking up on what other people do, or even asking people, how do you tangibly share your faith in this stage of life? Um, I've had... You know, I had a friend once who said, anytime we go to a restaurant, we ask our server, we say, hey, we're going to pray for our dinner. Is there anything we can pray for you about? Um, And I just kind of tucked that away in my brain. Um, I can't say I've ever done it, honestly, but little snippets like that where you're like, that's a creative. So you and Kelly can go train (laughs) and then (laughs) go grab a cup of coffee or whatever. Because Kelly, I've been with (laughs) Kelly, Kelly does that Uh several times. It's rare someone will say, you can't pray for me. Right. I've yeah, never I, had that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've had the reluctant, like, if you think uh, okay. that'll work. Uh, okay. <laughs> I've tried everything, so I might right. as well try this. Right. Kind of a or comment, people who but, are kind of like, uh, okay. Yeah. You know, right. um, it may lead to some small, awkward yeah. moments, but in the end, people usually appreciate it. Yeah. I, I'm going to be uh, kind of, take, take what I'm going to say with a kind of a grain of salt, but. I also want us to remember that there are sort of seasons of life. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that what, what God desperately does not want us to feel in a situation like this is an, is a, an overwhelming sense of guilt and shame yeah. Yeah. that we are in a, that, mm-hmm. that um, we're not doing enough for him because we're completely exhausted with, children Mm -hmm. and family. Now I get it. We should always have a missional mindset. 
in all seasons of life. So, so I'm not saying, well, you get a pass, you know, like mm-hmm. you don't have to be at church or you don't have to do this or you don't have these because of the stage of life. I mean, you made the choice to get into the situation that you're in in life. It doesn't mean that you get to, to put your faith on mm-hmm. pause, but there are seasons where, um, and I encourage people in this often is you have some significant work right now in the season of life mm-hmm. with your spouse, with your kids, with what's going on that is a different type of ministry. And it's, it feels like you're in the tunnel and the tunnel is never going to end. But soon the three kids under seven are going to be three kids over 16. Mm-hmm. And you're going to go, oh, I've got mm-hmm. a totally different season right now where I can give a totally different level of mm-hmm. uh you know, uh, time and resources and energy to, um, you know, to sharing my faith, you're in the church or, or whatever it is. So mm-hmm. does that make sense? Like, yeah, I don't want to give people, I actually a, think that's a, a really great word. Yeah. yeah. I, yeah. I don't want to give people a pass again. Like, but don't beat yourself up. Right. Totally. But and the truth right. is, I mean, it's, if you're I mean, a I've mom been at there. home with a bunch of kids, you're it's exhausted. Real. Yeah. yeah. Or yeah, your first real. kid. Yeah. I right? mean, think Absolutely. about that sure, three, four, mm-hmm. five month run where you're just like first kid, you know? Yeah. Yep. And, and again, you know, we, there are things that we can always be doing. I think some of the advice we give of, you know, looking for little connections in the places where you're already going or with people in similar life situations. I mean, I I hear stories of families that are doing that kind of work, kind of work and relational stuff all the time. Um, I love the call to recognize the season you're in. Don't deny it. And I love the reminder that shame and guilt are horrible motivators. Mm-hmm. They're powerful motivators. Yeah. They're just not look good. <laughs> not good. <laughs> They're not good. Oh, especially long term. Oh. I mean, yeah, in, in, the, in the short, sometimes they can be, oh, yeah, man, I got to right. power that, up. That here. shame moves me to, yeah. to be mm-hmm. different. But a long term guilt and shame about what's going on is. Yeah, we're encouraging people to share their faith because of the joy set before them. It's a mm-hmm. joy. Yeah. And it, it really drives your, to share your faith and talk about the gospel in an unedited fashion in your neighborhood, in your family, it brings freedom and joy yeah. into your life. So I love what you're saying, John. My recommendation to parents uh, wrestling with small kids is make sure you're sharing the gospel with your kiddos. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I mean, even when they're one and two years old, be talking to them about the gospel. Mm-hmm. God loves you unconditionally. He sent yeah. his son to die for you. I'm praying that you follow him all the days of your life. Share it with your spouse. How often are we sharing the gospel with our spouse? That mm-hmm. is, and our spouses may be believers. I'm saying reminding them of the gospel. Yeah. That we... You know, when, when our kids are, I'm headed into empty nest if all goes right this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we, we want. Oh, because we're all headed into <laughs> to chaos. So, full nest. If you wait to share the gospel until, uh, until you've got yeah. perfect situation in life, that muscle is significantly atrophied. Mm, that's so, good. so, exercise that muscle, even if you've got little ones at home, remind mm-hmm. your spouse of the gospel. Um, and then none of us live hermit lives. To Beth's point earlier, just begin to pray, Lord, I want to share my faith because I love your son and all he's done for me. Help me see where to share my faith. And it may be with a delivery person who mm-hmm. knocks at the door or whomever. We don't live completely in lives. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I've heard you uh, talk a lot about um, events being pre-evangelistic. Yeah. Um, and maybe this is a good season where you consider doing some pre-evangelistic work in relationships, like with family members who you maybe wish you were closer with, but 
you got this new kid now, you're probably going to be seeing them. Maybe it's an in-law, maybe it's a, a parent, whatever. Maybe now's a good time to start mending relationships so that when the time mm -hmm. opens, yeah. you're able to, you mm -hmm. know, Absolutely. have those tough conversations mm -hmm. and spiritual matters. So, well, great. Um, that's all the questions we have for you today. But if you have any further questions, comments, or concerns, don't hesitate. Text the Next Level Podcast, 630-474-6164. Our podcast is dedicated to answering listener questions on two levels, answering specific questions about last Sunday's sermon, and also general questions regarding broader topics within the Christian faith. We love God and believe that Scripture is a primary means for getting to know Him. And our hope is that this podcast extends the learning opportunity for all who want to know God better, strengthening not only your faith, but my faith and our faith together. Thanks for joining us, and thank you listeners for tuning in to the next Prophecy.